0: I'm sorry to say that we have a problem. A problem for you and me, a problem for all of Jesus' followers, and it's that problem that I want to address today. It's a problem of perception. It's the way we are viewed by our society and by the world. And you've read the statistics, the results of surveys, as I have as well. Couple that I ran across recently, one of them said that 92% of 69 to 29 year olds, that's, you know, basically young adults, when they are asked to describe Christians, the word that they use is judgmental. Another survey I read, I talked to, it was a survey of unchurched people, and 72% of them said that the word that they would use to describe Christians are is the word hypocritical. This just wells up a lot of emotions in me, uh, disappointment, frustration, a lot of different feelings, to think that that's how the world views those of us who follow Jesus Christ. Fortunately for us, that's one of the issues that Jesus addressed in the Sermon on the Mount. I hope you've been able to be a part of Many of these teachings this summer, as we 're more than halfway through the Sermon on the Mount, and each week we 've been looking at part of what Jesus taught in that great teaching today what we 're looking at is that passage that 's at the beginning of chapter seven, and uh, so we 're going to take a look at that because Jesus addresses both this these issues of being judgmental and being hypocritical so um, if you want to take a moment in your Bible to find that matthew chapter seven it 's also printed in the bulletin it will be here on the screen we want you to to be able to follow with that. While you're finding that, let me just mention, remind you that, remember when the Bible was written, it wasn't divided into chapters and verses, right? That those were added hundreds of years later to help us find things in the Bible. Imagine how hard it would be to find something in the Bible if we didn't have those. And obviously, when Jesus spoke the Sermon on the Mount, he didn't get to some point and then say, chapter 7, verse 1, you know... Those were added for our convenience. But it does seem as if when you look through the Sermon on the Mount, it almost feels like there's kind of a break, sort of a, a change, when we get to this section that we say begins chapter 7. So um, let's let's look at it together. It says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? I mean, how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they will trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Even people who uh, are not Christians, who maybe don't know much about the Bible, one of the things that they believe that the Bible says is that Jesus said you should not judge. And that's one of the phrases they throw at us as Christians a lot. I thought it was interesting this week in the the Waterloo City Falls Courier on Tuesday I think in the letters to the editor a, a dear lady Catherine Riley wrote this this is in this just the second paragraph of what she was writing and she said first i too have been judgmental of donald james trump for all his wrong choices in words and actions only to open my bible to read in matthew 7-7, those that judge will be judged What's well, interesting that she uses that verse from the Bible, but she gets it wrong, right? Matthew 7, 7 doesn't say, don't judge. It says, ask and it will be given you, seek and you'll find, knock and it will be open to you. But people think they know what the Bible says. And that's probably true for us as Christians as well. And we know it's in there somewhere, maybe in the Sermon on the Mount. Sure enough, it is one of the things that Jesus said. So we're going to try to figure this out if we can. I think one of the great things about this little illustration that Jesus uses is, I think it's meant to be funny. It contains such a sort of uncomfortable truth that maybe Jesus you know, gave us a, a little sugar with it as well. He gives this really interesting illustration of somebody who has a speck in their eye, a bit of sawdust maybe. You know what it's like to get something in your eye? It's terrible, even a small thing. For about 40 years I wore rigid contact lenses, and I'll tell you, you get something, a little thing under those, it was very painful. You get an eyelash in your eye, a little bit of dust or dirt, it can be very painful. So here's the guy who's got this little, little minute something in his eye, and another person then comes up to try to help him get that out of his eye. The problem is that that person has a plank in his eye. Can't you imagine this sort of in cartoon form? Here's this guy with the plank, you know, he doesn't even notice that he's got a plank in his own eye. He's so focused on the little speck in his brother's eye. Some sense of humor in the Bible. We don't often... Uh, notice it or realize that's what it is. Jesus said a lot of funny things. Talked talked about the Pharisees straining out a gnat out of their, out of their water and swallowing a camel. You know, those were funny pictures that Jesus gave. And the picture that he gives here, the guy with the plank, you know, trying to help the guy who has this little speck in his eye, I think was meant to, to make people smile as they listen to this teachings of, of Jesus. But he gives an important truth here as well. And I think we, as Christians, really need to be honest in focusing on how we are perceived. And it seems as if the first truth that Jesus gives here is that that we are not to be judges. Judge not, he said, or you'll be judged. Now, how do we understand that? This is a difficult balance. Because there are a lot of places in the Bible where it talks about the need for us to be discerning, to make judgments. I think one of the things that will help us is if we if we think about how we view God. I would say that among Christians, people either lean one way or the other. Either they lean towards seeing God as a God of justice, a God who hates sin and evil, who gives laws and rules and instructions to help people avoid that because it hurts them, it hurts others, it hurts their relationship with God. And so there's this God who is a a judge and who judges what is evil and wrong. We tend to lean that way or we tend to lean toward God as love, a God who is merciful and forgiving and tender. The God who's described as a loving Father, whose love is never-ending. As you think about yourself, which way do you tend to lean? As you think about churches you know, as you think about Orchard Hill, which way would you say that we lean? Have you figured out which way I lean as a teacher? Well, depending on how you lean, it may affect the way you view other people and the instructions that God gives to us. And for people in churches who tend to to lean toward the judgmental side of God, it very often follows then that they are judgmental people, that the emphasis on their life is identifying sin and, and calling it out and stand firmly against it. Now, this is really something I think that God wants us to do. Just as there has to be a balance in the way we view God as being a God who is just and also a God who is loving and merciful, for us, too, there has to be that balance between living a life of love and grace and mercy and living a life in which we are called to discern right from wrong. We're to discern and identify what is evil and stand against it. If if this weren't so... You go just on to these next paragraphs in the Sermon on the Mount, and that's exactly what Jesus is telling us to do. You know, He says, don't throw your pearls before swine. You know, how do you identify who are the people who are going to take the truth of the gospel and reject it, trample underfoot, use it to attack you, in fact? The next paragraph talks about... Um, False prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing. How are you to identify who's a false prophet and who isn't? Who's really just hiding under the sheep's clothing but inwardly is a ravenous wolf? You've got to make some judgments, don't you? You've got to be able to identify evil and sin in our world. God calls us to do that. But I think what Jesus is talking about here on the Sermon on the Mount doesn't negate that. Rather, I think what he is addressing is the kind of hard, judgmental heart that is always critical of other people, who is always looking to find fault in others, who who feels good about themselves by putting down other people and pointing out the faults in them. So why can't we do that? Why can't we be a judge of other people? It seems to me that there are a few reasons why that doesn't work. One is because we never know the whole story. Isn't that true? I mean, you you see a situation and you make a judgment in your mind about it. And then later on, you find out that you misread the whole situation. You find out some facts about the people involved and it changes your opinion entirely. I remember back as a, as a young person seeing um, parents, a mom at the grocery store with her kids, and she's yelling at them and she's spanking them. And I think to myself, that is the worst parenting I ever saw. Why would anybody treat their children like that? Then I had children. <laughs> My whole perspective changed. You know? we, we never know the whole story, do we? And when we do, it so often softens our heart and changes the the judgment that we were making in our mind. I remember once, a lot of years ago, I spent a week with a group of teenagers who were dealing with drug and alcohol addiction problems. And I remember when I first met them and spent began to spend a week with them, they were foul-mouthed, rebellious, disrespectful, they were the scum of the earth kids, you know. And in my mind I knew exactly who they were and what they were like, you know. And then I got to know them. And during the course of that week I heard their stories. It it moves me to this day to think about them. They didn't have a chance. When I found out the kind of homes that they came from, the kinds of disabilities that they dealt with, the kinds of situations they had, it broke my heart. I just grew to love those kids. I wanted to adopt them all and you know take them home with me. Because I began to find out the stories. And when we find out who these people are, it doesn't justify or make right wrong behaviors. But it softens our hearts, helps us to understand what brought them to that point in our lives. The problem is, we never know the whole story. And we tend to make judgments without knowing the facts, without knowing what brought that person to that point. And somehow, we have to have that balance in our lives of being able to say, "This, this behavior is wrong, God calls this out. This is something that is damaging and hurting to that person and to others. And to balance that out with saying, but God loves that person. God's deepest desire is that they be able to avoid that very behavior that's causing such destruction in their lives. So we can't judge because we never really know the whole story. Another reason I think we can't judge is because we all have our own baggage, right? You know. We all have issues in our lives. We all have prejudices that affect the way we make judgments. We carry that around with us. Interesting this week, I had a wonderful thing happen. I had been called for jury duty. And so on Monday, I had to phone to find out if I needed to report for jury duty, and I did not. I'm happy to do my civic duty, but boy, it sure opened up my week a lot not having to do that. But I remember times when I have been called to, to report for jury duty and you get questioned, you know, by the lawyers and they ask if you've, what, what situations you've been in, what kinds of things you have faced in your life. And then they ask that question, do you think in spite of that that you're able to make a, you know, a fair and impartial judgment? And of course we all say yes, you know, we can. But the reality probably is, you know, we never make an impartial judgment. We are so influenced by our own background and our own experiences. I would would bet for all of us, you know, if, if we would stop and think about it, we could identify the groups of people or the types of people against whom we are prejudiced. The kinds of people that we tend to judge negatively and harshly. And because we can't separate ourselves from that baggage, in fact, because we can't even often identify it, it makes it impossible for us really to set ourselves as a judge of another person. We don't know their story, and we don't even fully know our own story. And I think that's part of the reason that Jesus is saying, therefore, you are not to judge. So who is to judge then? Well, the person who is the judge is God himself. He's the only one who is competent to judge, isn't it? God alone knows the full story. God knows exactly what has brought that person to that point. God knows exactly what 's involved in that behavior or that action, and God is able to have that perfect balance of being a just and holy God, and at the same time then being able to be a, a God of love and mercy let me Let me read you a couple verses that that bear on this from the New Testament. Um, the first one is from James chapter Four. It says this, this is James 4, verse 12. It says, you know, there's only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? And in Romans 14, verse 4, it says, who are you to judge someone else's servant to their own master, servant stand or fall? And 1 Corinthians 4, verse 5 says, you know, therefore judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in the darkness and will expose the motives. There's a sense in which God is saying, frankly, it's none of your business. What that person is doing, it's not your place to judge them. It's mine. You mind your own business and leave it to God. God to judge. I love that illustration you used to said, you know, who are you to judge somebody else's servant, you know? That person belongs to me and I will deal with them. One of the one of the neat things for me about uh college was uh the roommates that I had. I had some uh great roommates, guys that I really loved and enjoyed. And one of my roommates was basically Mr. Perfect. I mean, I, I mean that in a complimentary sense. He was a guy who could do everything. He was incredibly handsome, talented, smart, pre-med major. He was musical. He was athletic. I hated him. <laughs> I mean, all the time that I loved him and enjoyed him, I hate him, but I was really, really jealous of him. And, and there was something in his life that I was aware of as his roommate that other people probably were not aware of and I felt like I needed to call him out on that. And uh, I was involved with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship in college, and we had an a InterVarsity staff worker, a guy, uh, who would spend some time on our campus. And so I talked to him about it, and I, as I explained the situation, I said, I, you know, I think, I think I need to confront my roommate about this. And the more we talked, the more it became obvious that that my heart was not right in that situation. I was wanting to call him out on it because I wanted to put him down, you know. I wanted to, uh, I wanted to hurt him a little bit. In fact, I, w- I would have been really happy if a lot of other people had known about this same thing because then they wouldn't have thought so highly of him, and maybe they would have thought more highly of me. And as I talked to this university staff person, he helped me to see that maybe that action of my roommate was wrong. But it was not my place to call him on it. My heart was not right. I wasn't doing it out of love or because I cared about him. I was doing it because I was jealous, because my heart was hard and critical. And he said, you know, what you need to do, I think, is to pray that if God wants that issue in his life to be confronted, that God will bring someone to call it to his attention. But that person isn't you. And I had to agree that that was, that was the case. So, first thing is, God tells us that we're not, to, we're not to be judges, right? That's what Jesus says. The second thing he says is that you're not to be a hypocrite. You know? When he describes a situation where the person's got the plank in their eye and a speck that they're trying to get out of the other person's eye, he's, he calls, calls us hypocrites. That is a hypocritical thing to do. To not be aware of this huge fault in your own life and to focus on the little fault in somebody else's life that's hypocritical behavior. And don't you think the fact that most, most Americans look at us as being judgmental and hypocritical, don't you think there's got to be at least a kernel of truth there? So what does Jesus say to do to avoid being a hypocrite? You need to be aware of and focus on and work on the plank in your own eye. Do you get the picture? Instead of focusing on somebody else and acting as if there is nothing in your eye, you need to be aware of what's in your eye, what's in your life, and you need to deal with it. That's a hard thing to do. It's hard for me anyway. I would guess it's hard for a lot of you as well. Almost every time I do something wrong in my life, I sin, I offend God, I hurt some other person, I can almost always totally justify it, right, you know, because I know the reason I was mean to the kids was on my way home from work, somebody cut me off in traffic, I almost ran off the road, you know, and that explains my behavior, you know. If people knew, you know, what was going on in my life, they would understand. And so I justify all the wrong things that I have done instead of dealing with them honestly and openly. You know, Jesus says, you know, you begin with yourself. One of the things that I, that I think has been a growing understanding for me of what, what the Bible is teaching is to begin to understand that so many, maybe most of the times, where God is pointing out sin and error that we are to avoid, He's doing that not so that we can look at other people and judge them. He's giving that to us as a tool for self-examination. That, that it's not a matter of my reading that and then looking around to see who's guilty of that sin, to see how our society has messed up. God gives that to me... So, So it'll shine the light on my heart and my life. So I can honestly be aware of what's going on in me and try to deal with it. We get defensive, don't we? We we try to justify our behavior. We act as if there's nothing wrong with us at all. We act as if there is no plank in our eye. You hypocrite. Who do you think you're fooling? Everybody knows you are a sinful person. Why pretend that you are not? Everybody struggles. Why would anybody think that you are the only person who doesn't struggle with sin in your life? And so it's hypocritical of us not to admit our own failures and our own sin and to try to deal with them by the grace of God and to remove them from our lives. So I would encourage you, you know, as you read through these places in the Sermon on the Mount to use them to reflect on your own life in your own heart. There's a wonderful picture of that, I think, in the Old Testament. You remember when, when God was having them build the, the temple in Jerusalem and set up the sacrificial system and there was this one guy who was the high priest And it was the high priest alone who would go into that sacred part of the temple, the Holy of Holies, just once a year into the presence of God. And what did he have to do before he did that? He couldn't just walk in. Before he could go into the presence of God, he had to deal with the sin in his own life. His purpose of going in was to, to offer sacrifice and to intercede for the sins of the people. But before he could do that, he had to deal with the sin in his own life. And so the high priest would offer sacrifices and make confession for his own sin and the sin of his family, you know. And he would put on clean clothes, you know, come into God's presence acknowledging that he also was a sinful person and that only by the grace and mercy of God could he be forgiven. Surely that's a picture of what we are called to do as well. Because I think the third point in this funny story that Jesus tells is that we are called to be caring friends to help other people deal with what's hurting them in their life. That's not a wrong thing to do. If we believe that sin always hurts us, hurts others, hurts our relationship with God, when we see sin in someone else's life, if we love and care about them, it may be That God is calling us to go to them and in love help them to recognize and to deal with that sin in their lives. And I'll tell you, that is a, that's a tricky step to take, isn't it? If we do it with a judgmental attitude, if we do it with a hard heart, if we do it out of a motive of, of jealousy or anger, it destroys everything. In fact, part of the instruction Jesus gives us is in Matthew 18, you know, he says, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. You know And if they listen to you, you'll have won them over. So the third step in this whole process of trying to avoid being judgmental and hypocritical may be to actually say to that person, you know, I think I see a speck in your eye. And if I can help you to deal with that in some way, I'll do that. Maybe it's, you know, praying for them. Maybe it's spending time with them. Maybe it's trying to find some specific things you can do to help them to deal with that issue in their lives. That's not a wrong thing to do. And that's not, I think, being a judge. I think it's being a loving and caring friend. This is a tough balance for us as Christians. This whole issue. Of being judgmental and hypocritical. God calls us to be discerning and wise, but He also calls us to be loving and caring friends. It's a, it's a struggle, I think, for most of us, much of the time. But I would encourage you to face up to these issues as Jesus presents them. To be willing to look at your own life, the plank in your own eye, and then to have the courage and the love and the motivation to help others, you know as you see them dealing with sin in their lives as well, we're sure going to need god's help in this aren't we so i'm going to ask that we uh, join together and pray as we ask for his help in this, uh, Lord God, you are the only one who can judge you you are the perfect judge, you judge with impartiality, you judge with both uh, this perfect sense of justice and rightness as well as with perfect love and mercy and that's something that we can't really attain to uh, so we ask your help in this right? we we want to be we don't want to be hypocritical we want to recognize the sin in our own lives and we want to be able to be as as Eric talked about last night we, last week we want to be be able to be salt and light for you in our world help us in that pray in Jesus' name.